Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the End of the Year Wrap-Up Specials, brought to you by the Media Boat Podcast. This is our End of the Year Wrap-Ups, where we will talk about one of our topics of music, video games, TV, or movie. Not necessarily in that order. Mm -hmm. And wrap it all up of the news for the year. And as well as present our top five, uh, in this case, albums for the year. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. Hi, I can talk. Hey, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for that wonderful intro. Yes, it is the most magical time of the year where we look back at the year that was and tell you what was good, what was bad, uh, the news that was good, the news that was largely bad. And uh, pick one of each of those things. One thing to rule them all in that category. And one thing that, boy, was it important. But boy, are we tired of hearing about it. We'll get there. Today, of course, this is the first episode. We're going to go in podcast order. Which means we start with the world of music. Yes. And boy, what a world of music what it was. A year. So... Let's 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 roughly take a take a look here. So what happened? Yeah, so year? are we going to Adele the time came back? Uh, Did the time machine go backwards? Yeah, Taylor Swift uh, came back. Uh, Kanye West buried himself, and he no longer exists. Um, what else <laughs> happened this year? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot happened, and we'll get into it. Yes, chronological order here. Yes, starting back in January with David Bowie's estate selling his published catalog to Warner Chapel. For two hundred fifty million dollars, he wasn't the only one. This was a big year for company for companies. <laughs> for even slip for big artists finally selling their catalogs to other publishing companies. You know, this usually means it's like, oh, they're feeling like they wrapped up a big portion of their career. Let's make some extra money. Let's have somebody else call the shots and like, hey, make some extra checks throughout the, throughout the rest of their lives. And yep, it's a good move. I mean, obviously this is his estate, so this isn't necessarily somebody who still lives, but you get the idea. Uh, so yeah, it's smart and it happened a lot this year. Yep. We also got the headliners, or the first announced headliners, rather, for Coachella Music Festival with Harry Styles joining Billie Eilish and the then-announced Kanye West. Oh, yes, and then, of course, that started off the uh, back and forth of whether Kanye was actually going to be there. That ended up being Swedish House Mafia taking that spot. With The weekend. Yes, with The weekend. Oh, yeah, shit. I went to Coachella this year. Yes, you did. You were there. You were there. <laughs> I saw it. It happened in front of me. It did. It all it elapsed, and you talked about it. So if you want to hear Mike's uh, tales of the Coachella and Stagecoach experience, uh, look back to our catalog this year and find it. Yep. Um, speaking of people selling their music, Kenny Chesney also sold his catalog. Yes. To... Hypnosis Song Management. Sure, why not? Yep. Uh, and Neil Young uh, had all his uh, songs and albums removed from Spotify. Yes. That was this year. Yes. Uh, this was in uh, reaction to Joe Rogan's podcast. Yes. Specifically about uh, basically uh, lying about the COVID. 19 vaccines and basically distributing incorrect information and just being a real terrible guy. Yeah, uh, Neil Young was the most probably prominent person in, uh, leading that kind of charge against Spotify. Although, honestly, after a month or so, this kind of just disappeared. And for the rest of the year, 
No one really talked about it. And now we have Spotify wrap-up season happening again. Everybody's gleefully forgotten about what's happened earlier in the year. Yes, uh, but not us because we have everything written down. It's true. Also, uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify, <laughs> you know what? That's your choice. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I forgot to put a break in here for February somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> February somewhere happens uh, now, let's say. Yes. Um, because uh, around February is when Snoop Dogg, yes. not only did he perform the Super Bowl halftime show earlier among this others, year, yes. among others. We should talk about that real brief. What a halftime show. What a halftime like, show. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool to see like all these uh, rap stars from the 2000s kind of come back. Mary J. Blige especially killed it. Yep. Seeing uh, Hanging Upside Down 50 Cent, which is a great Surprise, moment. 50 Cent. Yeah. Eminem doing his uh, cleaned up versions of his hits. Yes. And then taking a knee. Yeah. Yeah. It was neat to see. There was like moments in that yep. thing that were really cool as a package. As brought to us by Dr. Dre. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Dre. Be a really different vibe this year with Rihanna. So we'll see what how uh, that yep. goes in. Oh, yeah, Kendrick Lamar was also in there. Kendrick Lamar was also there right before his big album push. Quite star-studded. Yes. yes, it was cool. It was cool. Yes, day. and we would bring up Snoop Dogg is because earlier this year, uh, he has purchased and is now the CEO and owner yes. of Death Row Records. Yes, the renowned hip-hop uh, record label, now under Snoop's command. Uh, he has said he had plans for it. We haven't really heard much since then, but I imagine that uh, 2023 will be the year of Death Row. If Snoop Dogg has to say about it. Yep. Um, oh yeah, more Coach COVID stories between Coachella, Stagecoach. Yep. And then uh, the E, the Euro, Eurovision, EEU. Yes. Um, um, saying that no Russian acts would perform this year. Yes, uh, this of course being uh, tied into one of the biggest stories 2022 worldwide. Which was the war uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, this is still ongoing, we should mention, as of this recording. And yeah, uh, the, the, the Eurovision still plans on, like, yeah, still like, ended up happening. And uh, yeah, Ukraine actually ended up winning. Yes, even though next year it will not be hosted in right. Ukraine, it will be hosted in Italy. Right. right. Uh, and then we get into March, where, lo and behold... Yes. Uh, um... The U.S. decided to hold its own American Song Contest. Yeah, and it kind of sucked. Honestly, it was kind of a broken system. The best part of it was Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson were your hosts and were ridiculous. The rest of it was disappointing. They had celeb the token celebrities in some of the states that ended up not even making a mark. And as you mentioned on the podcast a couple days ago or a couple weeks ago, it ended up just being people voting for uh, K-pop bands yep. or K-pop artists that ended up kind of slanting the TikTok the army kind of slanting, especially when. Anyone can vote, and yeah. lo and behold, that's exactly what happened um, with Eurovision towards the end of the year, is that they're going to allow the global audience to vote now, not just specifically those in Europe. Yeah, so we'll see uh, what that means for Eurovision. Also, we'll see if they do this experimental American Song Contest ever again. <laughs> I have a feeling they will not. I have a feeling they won't. Uh, this next story, though, very right up your alley, because it was yes. Bandcamp. This was a weird one that happened this year. Bandcamp, uh, the uh, do-it-yourself uh, music distribution platform, which was beloved uh, by artists and music fans for making it really easy to just download your favorite band's music, ended up getting snapped up by Epic Games, um, the company, of course, now mostly known for... Um, 
Fortnite. Fortnite. Uh, but of course, you know, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, yeah, a powerhouse of video game publishing now uh, decided to snap Bandcamp up. This was a surprise to a lot of people, me included. And it looks like their plans going forward is kind of a larger vision to create like a lot of different places for creators to sell their stuff, regardless of what they sell. So this is a way to get music content, just as alongside their Epic Games Store, which is for game content. And so, yeah, um, it has yet to really change how Bandcamp operates. They're still having their occasional Bandcamp Fridays where they withhold extra uh, fees and just go uh, purchases go straight to the bands. So as they keep doing that, I mean, Bandcamp, Bandcamp is cool in my book. So it seems like they haven't necessarily changed the cool part of why Bandcamp is beloved. So, so far, so good, Epic. Don't screw it up. <laughs> Uh, yep, and not even either like as a result, but mm-hmm. also in accordance to that, TikTok yeah. um, announced that it would have artists compensated based on how often their music is used in TikTok videos. Yes, so I have a little bit of an update to this story, okay. and it's something that I heard this week, which is, yes, this was the plan, but they didn't exactly say how they were going to monetize it. Mm-hmm. Turns out what they did ultimately decide was that it was not going to be per listen. So if they, they are still not doing it per review of each video with the sound. They're doing it for each video generated with that sound, which means is a per video uh, payout as opposed to a per view. That means, unfortunately, if you only have one video that has like millions of views that your sound is and another video that has four views that your sound is on, you get paid the same for both of those videos. I think what they're gen- or what they're trying to base it off of is people who mimic and imitate the video. It's virality is what it so, is. Yes. They're trying to incentivize virality. If the more viral your song goes, the more video content is going to be made. It just it sucks because that means if you even if you have the most successful video on TikTok, you are not earning perpetual money from that. Mm-hmm. You earn it once and then you're done. It's a little disappointing and they could do better. And so I would love to see TikTok change that in the future, but we will see. Yep. Uh, we also had the Rock and Roll Hall of <laughs> Fame announced uh, for this year, including one Dolly Parton, who said she didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah, but then she ended up coming back at it, and then now, recently, she just was inducted. Yes. So she is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Dolly Parton now. Uh, but yeah, there was a moment there where it was like, yeah, am I really rock and roll? But we all told Dolly, you are in our hearts. <laughs> We told her, no, you're going to get this award. Accept it. Yes. Anytime we get to acknowledge how great Dolly Parton is, we want to take it. We want to take that opportunity. Yes. Take that little piece of that acceptance now, Dolly. Yeah. Um, speaking of the war in Ukraine, our yeah. fire raised more than $100,000 for a Ukraine relief fund. Yeah, I guess this is when we talk about arcade fires a year. Uh, so this is oh, how it yes. began. Uh <laughs> It started out that they had kind of been dormant for a few years and they were going to uh, put out new music and they announced this alongside that, that they were going to donate some money to the Relief Fund for Ukraine in the lead up to their album in May called We. So that album was eventually released to, I would say like, eh, not middling reviews, higher than at least the last record had reviewed. Uh, but people were still like, eh, yeah, maybe they've kind of run their course, but at least this is better than last time. But then the storm hit, and allegations started to come out about singer Wynn Butler's um, uh, assault allegations, basically, for women. 
several women came out uh, with similar stories, and uh, sooner than later, you started to hear way less about Arcade Fire. Uh, they are still on tour. They're still doing dates. Um, and I'm sure that their album will still appear on some critics' top lists in list season here. But ultimately, it was a really steep drop for a band that's been a while and was so beloved critically for their entire run. Um, but ultimately, you know what? If you like, if like, it seems like if the stuff lines up, then uh, Win really lost a lot of face, and the band suffered because of it. And honestly, like, I would be probably happy if we didn't hear as much for them. It was definitely disappointing as a personal fan of the band to see all of this happening. But that's music. A lot of these stories are out there, and they're going to be found out one by one. And I'm glad that they're fi- that we're finding out, and I'm glad that this news is getting out. Remind me, this happened before or after they played Coachella? After. After they played Coachella. Yes, after Coachella, after the album. Because mm-hmm. the album was after Coachella, too. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was after all of that as if it was timed, almost. <laughs> uh, which is, But again, I'm glad that the people came out uh, and got their stories out because that's super important and it needs to be said because the more and more we get these kind of behavior like pushed out of the music industry, the better because it needs, it's it, it, like, it's a different era and like guys like this, they need to be held accountable for what they do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, quite a year uh, for that band. Um, I know that we're getting into April here and we have yet to hit a story of the year, but I don't know if it rates. We're going to talk about some bigger stuff, I think. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's definitely kind of meant to be on the outskirts of that kind of vibe. But there weren't, I feel like, enough similar stories for this to be lumped into a bigger story. All right. So. Um, one of the bigger stories, though, that took place this year was the passing, sudden passing, of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor yes. Hawkins. Yes, absolutely. And then the subsequent of the Foo Fighters canceling all their tour dates, but then hosting two benefit yes. concerts in September. And what a concert, a couple of concerts that was. Just the biggest legends of rock and roll all on one stage, one after another, playing mm-hmm. with each other, having fun, playing some, like bands playing that hadn't played in years, like getting back together and honoring somebody who was universally beloved. In the rock world, it was such a cool, unique moment that doesn't happen enough. And also, it really shone a light on how much of a like important and influential band the Foo Fighters are, and also how like Taylor Hawkins, how good he was, and yeah. like how everybody loved how much of a nice guy he was. Orange County's own, we can claim him. Yep. Um, but yeah, like it's just amazing to have such a tribute and for somebody who's just so beloved, and it couldn't have happened to a like like. It's so sad that happened to such a, a beloved band, too. And so the Foo Fighters to, like, take that and, like, use it to unite people instead of just being sad and, like, ending their tour in, like, a more dramatic fashion. Like, they actually did, I think, a good job of honoring Taylor Hawkins' life. Yeah, I think... You were there. You know? Being lucky enough to yes. like, get a ticket... You lived this. Like, day of. Mm-hmm. Get a ticket, floor ticket... To just go and then just experience the band after band after yeah, band. What a what a what experience! Just it was probably the best concert I've been to this year. I think it would have to be right. <laughs> probably one of the best I've been to ever. Yeah, I would imagine. 
imagine. Even if it did go till 1 a.m. for unnecessarily. And you can check off so many names off of your list. That's really what I want to go. It's just a check off that See, this person, like, this person, this person. Yes. This, Some bands this, that this, nobody this. our age has ever seen, you probably saw. And probably that we'll never see. Right. They'll never, right. It'll never together be back again. together again. Yep. Yes. The last time we're probably going to see a lot of the members of like Queen and Rush That's, and like some of the older bands. Having Tool and Rush yeah, Tool, on the same yeah. stage. Yeah. It's. When are you ever going to experience you know, that? Really That's like yeah, why sure. I've like gung ho. Like, yeah. I'm going to find a ticket <laughs> somewhere. I'm going to find a ticket literally like an hour before like all everything shut down. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the outpouring support for Taylor Hawkins and those. Yeah. Concerts. What a cool, what a cool thing. And especially in the wake of something so sad. It was cool yes. to use that energy for good. And talk about love and uniting people and music as opposed to dwelling on the darkness of it. And then one good thing to come out of it, or one surprising thing that kind of united everyone around it, was Taylor Hawkins' son on yeah. the drums. Yeah, I think that blew a lot, blew a lot of people's minds uh, with how good he was. Mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, it just goes to show you that some of that stuff is like, if you have some of the, one of the greatest drummers just ever in rock history teaching you, you're going to pick up some skills, <laughs> it turns out. And I'm glad that the torch has kind of been passed in that way. Yes. Of course, now the last question I think here is, what does the, what do the Foo Fighters do now? Do they tour with another drummer? Like, how do you move on? And maybe we won't know until next year. Do you wait 10 years for the kid to age up? <laughs> no, I don't think they tour with him. No. And I don't think they wait either. I imagine... You don't do the Willie Nelson thing where it's just Willie Nelson and family? I imagine that they will likely do maybe something similar to what they did at the concert, which is have a rotating, like, okay, we're going to we're gonna record with this drummer for a little bit. We're going to record a few songs on this album mm-hmm. with this drummer. Like, yeah, like... Feel it out. There's still a band. Like, it's not going to change anything. I mean, hell, the first Foo Fighters record was just Dave Grohl on every instrument. Yes. Like, he can handle it. Like, the Foo Fighters will live on. I just want to put Dave Grohl back in the drums. <laughs> yeah, he find could. Him, find him he could play the drums, yeah. too. Well, no, he, I mean, that's the nice thing about recording, is you can just record his own drum track. Right, but when you go on tour. Right, the tour is going to be trickier, but hey, we'll see. Yes. I think that they'll be back out there. I think that the Foo Fighters are not done. Yes. That's my prediction. Anyway, yeah, what a feel-good story, ultimately, from something tragic. I'll put it on the list for now. It might be. It might be up there. Um, In a not-so-good feel story, though. Yeah. uh, As with every good thing that happens, there has to be an equal and opposite (laughs) bad thing that happens. (laughs) Always, always. So, while the Foo Fighters and, like, had their concerts and... Put it on for their fans. Yes. Eric Church, meanwhile, took a concert <laughs> away from his fans for a college basketball game. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of embarrassing. But he ended up making up for it. He did end up doing a different show that play the people who bought tickets could make up for it and see him. It's still come on, come come on, Eric. Come on. And then we get into the Grammy winners. For 2022, yeah, uh, where Silk Sonic ended up being the biggest winner on Grammy night, as they took all four awards that they were nominated for, including yeah. Best R&B Song, Best R&B Performance, Song of the Year, and Record of the Year. Yeah, and honestly, besides that, a pretty forgettable night. John Baptiste was your big story. Uh, he won so many. Um, he won the big one album of the yeah. year. And showed up a lot of genre categories, too. Yep. And then Olivia Rodrigo won for Best New Artists. Right. Deservedly so, I'd say. Uh, but other than that, got snubbed. Sour was nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
Yeah, overall, kind of a boring, predictable Grammys. And honestly, it looks like we're just going to do this all over again this this February. It looks like another boring, predictable Grammys is on the horizon, too. Yep, that's why when we announced the Grammys, I completely forgot about it a week later. <laughs> exactly. Yep, sounds about right. Yep. Um, then following the Grammys, we have the Summer of Soul movie come out from Questlove. About the uh, and then won the Oscar for best documentary series. Yep, and then inspired people to make a real one again. Yep, uh, Janelle Monae came out as non-binary. Yes, um, and then came out in Glass Onion, yeah. <laughs> and then killed it in Glass Onion. But yep. We'll talk about that in the movies wrap-up special. Yep, uh, Kid Cudi confirms that he is cutting ties with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, which uh, good timing, I'd say, for Kid Cudi. Good timing. <laughs> and then The Weeknd announced a long-term partnership with Universal Music Group. Hey, if something works, don't break it, right? And this has worked. Their, uh, their relationship has brought now two uh, best-selling records in a row with um, After... What was it? After Hours? After Hours. After Hours, and then now with Dawn FM. Yeah. Like, I mean, clearly, like, it works. And so to make it something long... Long term, makes sense for where The weekend's at right now. Turning out hits. Yep. Um, so then we get into May, and the inductees for the 22 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yes. include the aforementioned Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. Duran Duran, Pat Benatar, Eminem, <laughs> Lionel Richie, Eurythmics, and Carly Simon. Yes, and they were all just inducted recently uh, this past month. And yeah. Yep. Um, also enshrined were music producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, singers Harry Belfontaine and Elizabeth Cotton. Yep. And then we fall into a significant death in the music oh, industry. This was brutal. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. Finally, I mean, honestly, 20, before, too young. Honestly, twenty-two years. Yeah, t- too young. Too young. Twenty-two opinion. years on this earth and. It is gone from our lives. This seems like a bad taste after we just talked about Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. <laughs> no, we're talking about the iPod. Yes, beloved uh, music device that arguably changed the music industry back in 2001. Uh, sadly, uh, Apple has decided that they're no longer going to manufacture the iPod in any form. The last iPod, by the way, was the iPod Touch. It was a surviving ancestor of the family. And uh, finally, they decided that it was no longer time for the iPod. This well, is sad. I love iPods. Well, I have several time, iPods in my life. Last time the iPod Touch, or the first iPod Touch, was developed in 2007, the same year that the iPhone came yes. out. Yes. And now everyone's on streaming. Yep. It doesn't, yeah, it's really it can been replaced by the iPhone. The iPhone does a lot of the same things now. And yeah, it's just sad. It's just sad because those things, I loved an iPad. iPod, sorry. <laughs> so easy to accidentally say iPod. Yes. R.I.P. Yes. Uh, when we broke this story, we talked about following about our memories yeah. with the iPod. Good times. Yep, and how many we've had yeah. over the course of the years. <laughs> More than I should have. Yep. Anyway. Anyways, we had um, Taylor Swift yeah. giving the commencement address for uh, New York University's Class of 22. Yep. Because they were feeling 22. And then, yeah, and then was awarded an honorary doctorate. So she is now Dr. Taylor Swift, or... 
uh, uh, so you can call her that if you choose. Honorary Dr. Taylor Swift. Um, of course, this would begin a quite a year for Taylor, as uh, she ended up releasing an album later in the year, but we'll get there later. Yep. Um, going back to people who sold their catalog, music catalog, yes. Justin Timberlake yeah. also sold his 20-year catalog to Hypnosis as well. This is a funny one to me, because like he's in a very different part of his um, career than a lot of people who sell their stuff. I almost wonder if this is kind of him maybe feeling a little mortal after the Britney Spears backlash started happening. And he mm-hmm. was like, maybe like, maybe he realized that he's not quite as big of a deal as he used to be. And maybe realize this is the time to strike when the iron is still barely lukewarm. So, uh, yeah, good time to get out. Uh, but from what I hear, I hear rumblings of he's looking at to make a, some sort of comeback in the coming year. And last time we tried this, it did not work. So we'll see. Wait, which one are you talking about? Remember Future Man Sex in Love the Woods? Time? Oh, Man in the Woods. <laughs> I was like, what about Future Sex Love Sounds? I was like, wait, no, that was like 12 years ago. Yeah. No, Man in the Woods was his attempt to come back, and that album sucks. So good luck, Justin Timberlake. You're going to need it. Yep. Um, then in June, <laughs> we got Stranger Things Bump. Yeah. With Kate Bush's... Um, Running up that hill. Yes. So, I don't know how you feel about this, but I say this is something that is fascinating to me, and I think may be eligible for Story of the Year. It sounds small mm-hmm. when you're just talking about Kate Bush and this song. But what I think that has implications about, and where we're at largely with the music industry, is actually extremely fascinating. In a way, it's almost an evolution of what we see when the Christmas songs hit the top five in the Billboard, right? It's old stuff becoming relevant again. This was the only time in Billboard history that a song from this long ago has shot straight up to the top five in the same way and stayed there. Didn't it happen uh, last year with the um, the uh, Ocean Spray guy? Not as, not as, not, long, not as long as this. Okay. The other thing that helped it is that unlike that situation... Running up that hill all of a sudden became in radio rotation again. Uh, to this day, months after this happened, almost six months. See, I don't listen to the radio. K-Rock is still playing it here in the LA area. It's part of their rotation, and I don't know if it's going to go away. And people are already talking about how this same scenario could happen with other stuff. Apparently there's a, uh, there's a song that's been heavily featured in the new Netflix Wednesday show. The Wednesday Adams thing. Um that they think is going to happen, do a similar thing here in a couple weeks. I'm like, well, we'll see. Uh, people seem to like that Wednesday show. Yeah, we haven't watched it yet. Uh, maybe we'll talk well, about it's that Tim next Burton. Week. I don't know. It's Tim Burton, Wednesday. Yeah, I don't know. Christy's, uh, Christy and I might check that out before next week's regular show. So yep. tune in to that, depending on when you want, listen to this. Um, yeah. Uh, so overall, I think it might be something to consider, because I think it does... It's interesting how where we're at with streaming, it is way easier than it used to be for something to get so viral all of a sudden it's everywhere mm-hmm. that maybe from decades ago and it'll be an opportunity to maybe reconsider artists like kate bush that were seen as more niche at the time of their release and realize how ahead of their time they probably were it'll be it's a fun thing to think about mm-hmm. and really says a lot about where we're at right now with streaming especially with the internet age people are able mm-hmm. to get access to everything more yeah. instantly tiktok is a great example of this is like the way things go viral on tiktok is so different than the way it goes viral el- elsewhere and it's literally changing how the labels do distribution for music 
Uh, we should know. We know <laughs> someone directly associated with By the way, she wasn't on the Forbes uh, 30 Under 30 this year. Well, yeah, she already made she it. Made, I guess when you do it once, you yeah. do it again. Yeah, you already did it once. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways, uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Shared that he had Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Yeah, this led to him canceling his remaining tour dates and has mm-hmm. kind of gone quiet for a little bit here. Of course, um, he was able to ride off a successful 2021. Yes. Uh, and with really Stay. With yeah. But yeah, um, this was an interesting story considering like it did kind of like surprise a lot of people who didn't know he even had anything going on like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and then we have Beyonce officially announced her sixth solo studio album, Renaissance. Yeah. Uh, we kind of mentioned this in the last normal podcast we did, but Renaissance has had an interesting year. I feel like it's critically beloved, but it is not doing the numbers, I think, that people thought it would. I think she had a real brief uh, success there with Break My Soul, which was the first single. But beyond that, nothing from the record has charted, and I don't think it's gone as viral, maybe, as anticipated. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll take, talk about it in a few minutes here, but, like, I don't know. Uh, it's been kind of an, inter- it's an interesting record for her. Yeah, interesting in that, like, it was critically acclaimed. It's not yeah. a lot of, like, top ten lists. Yeah. But... Uh, when we recently talked about, like, top string songs and albums, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, for an artist as big as Beyonce, I know I don't know whether she's maybe plateauing a little bit. Like, we're seeing, like, a little bit of a, like, oh, well, we just expect Beyonce to be good, but she's not, like, the earth-shattering event that she used to be. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about. Especially compared to Taylor Swift, who literally yes. had an earth-shattering it, event. Yes, it is. An inter- yeah, you're right. Uh, comparing the two of those things is interesting, and I wonder... Maybe maybe there was some lunch eaten a little bit uh, there, but we yeah we don't need to talk about that here. Yes, interesting though. No, what we can talk about is John Williams hinting that the upcoming yes. Indiana Jones five, or rather Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, <laughs> will officially be his last film scored. And you know what? I think it's well earned. I mean, the man's had quite a career, uh, countless memorable. Uh, like, legendary scores under his belt at this point. All of the Star Wars work he did by itself is mm-hmm. enough to, like, keep you going for the rest of your career. And, yeah, and, of course, all the Oscars that he's earned over the years and yeah. Grammys. I think that, yeah, if this was the time that he throws in the, the throws in his hat, then I think this is a good time. I mean, he's going to turn 90. Yes. And anytime, really he does a film, anytime he does a film, it's about six months to compose the film. I don't blame the man for slowing, wanting to slow down and just relax for a little bit. Well, speaking of slowing down and reflecting, Lord yes. did some reflecting on her album Solar Power. Which yeah, yeah. That was last year. Uh, uh, the, the album did okay for her, but I think she is even aware that maybe it wasn't the best scenario that yes. could have happened. So it is interesting to have somebody kind of reflect on that kind of situation. You don't hear that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but what was probably one of the bigger stories of the year Yeah, is a big win for publishing and songwriting community with the Copyright Royalty uh, Board reaffirming a 15, a 15% headline rate increase in royalties paid by streaming services. Yeah. This is an interesting story to cover because I feel like it's hard to know exactly what the effects of this will be until time has passed. Mm-hmm. But it is a good move, especially 
with years of complaints about how streaming services pay artists and songwriters. Um, it's important for songwriters to get paid for the work that they do, and any movement in that department is good. So it was, it was, I was happy to see a headline like this this year. And even though we didn't really talk about it during the year, now we can officially talk about how R. Kelly was officially sentenced to 30 years in prison. Yes, thank God. Uh, obviously, we don't need to talk about all of that here. It's too much to get into. But what we'll see is good... Like, I'm glad that this happened. Like, he's obviously like, yeah, no, he needs this time. <laughs> and yes, we can finally say goodbye to R. Kelly. He's not coming back from this one, folks. Yep. We also had a brief uh, stint of hospitalizations for musicians. Yeah. From uh, Brett Michaels, front po- Poison Frontman. Yeah. Um, being hospitalized, being pulled from a concert. Travis Barker. Being hospitalized, right. concert, as well as Carlos Santana passing out on stage and being rushed to a hospital. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, thankfully, all three of them ended up uh, bouncing back, uh, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Especially Travis Barker. Blink-182 had a little bit of a comeback this year, uh, reuniting with Tom DeLonge. And uh, so that was the end of the, kind of that story. And even Carlos Santana, who was getting older, uh, was able to continue uh, uh, playing, which was good news. Yep. So, in a follow-up to Kanye dropping out of Coachella, Kanye was eventually sued. Yes. This uh, might be the last time you mention Kanye, because the rest of it, we cannot go into. No. Uh, So, should we put Kanye as an event? You know... Uh, He had quite a year. There's a version of the show where we just call it as... The year that Kanye ultimately just destroyed himself. Yes. But I think that, that the reason why I wouldn't want to do that is because, let's be real, this has been happening for years now. You can even argue anything post-Life of Pablo has just been a downward slope for the man. Like, when you start talking about the presidential run, the Donda stuff, the... Sunday concert gospel era, mm-hmm. like leading to this recent Kanye that we've gotten. Oh yeah, the Kim Kardashian marriage and then the divorce. Mm-hmm. I think that there's just it's happened over so many years that I don't think it's fair to call it just this year's story. But it, you're not wrong though; it has been a spectacular collapse this year, including up to this week, which is stuff that's so bad that I don't even want to talk about it. Like. It's getting to the point where I don't even want to give him the time of my day kind of vibe. Like, so I think that that's, we probably don't need to. Yeah, but don't forget that he also cut Kid Cudi's concert short at the Rolling Loud Music Festival in Miami earlier this year. Yeah. And then came out on the act right after him. Yep, yep, yep. Because that's the man he is. He does not care anymore. Um, And, you know, as much as you want to say, like, Oh, but mental health this. Uh, there's so much beyond that. The, the man is beyond, I don't know, at this point. It's become something else at this point, And we just need to stop talking about him because it's just, to a certain point, when you get to a point where people are acting out like this, they're doing it for the attention. They're doing it because they want you to cover it. The Joe Rogans of the world. You know, like, it's the same they thing. They want to stay in the news cycle. They want to stay in the news cycle. You're Elon Musk, even. Mm-hmm. Like, why do they buy Twitter? Why does he post all the time about literal, literally everything? Because he doesn't want you to 
Stop talking about it. Why does he break stuff yes. and then immediately fix it? Because he wants you to think, oh, he fixed it. But he was the one who broke it. Yes, forget about the broken part. Yeah, all of these it doesn't people, matter who broke it, it's fixed now. All of these men are the same, ultimately. They're doing the same thing. We just need to stop fueling their fire. So let's stop. So let's stop. <laughs> and said, let's fuel um, the fire between Khalees and Beyonce. <laughs> Yeah, in the aftermath of Renaissance's release, there were some uh, questions about some samples used in her songs. There's also some post-release cosmetic changes as well. Yeah, so we ended up Khalees, uh, who has a complicated relationship with her big hit, Milkshake, because it's co-owned by the producers of Neptunes, um, and ultimately kind of, let's say, screwed her over in the contract when it was written. Um, she was not, she didn't believe she was compensated accordingly or credited accordingly for the sample in Beyonce's song. And so she said as much, and then Beyonce's team was nice enough to alter uh, the credits for her, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Snapchat announcing the Snapchat Sound Creator Fund yeah. for emerging and independent artists. Hey, I'm happy with any headline that says money is going to emerging, emerging artists. So, hey, maybe, again, over time we'll see the results of that kind of move. And then it was basically just Beyonce news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, Renaissance came out in late July. Yeah. Uh, and then, let's see here. What else do we have? Michelle Branch was arrested. Oh, right. Yes. The Patrick Carney thing. That ended up being resolved. She didn't end up doing any time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I believe they, they made a statement after this happened that they were going to try to make things work again. Yep. So we'll see. And then Mariah Carey tries to trademark <laughs> Queen of Christmas, which I think she did win. No, I thought she wasn't going to be able to. Well, during the Macy's... They did use that term, but During I don't the think, Thanksgiving Day Parade. I think it's probably her people saying, hey, call her this. Unless so, she is this. It's a very King of Pop style situation. It's saying, hey, call me this. And the more you call someone, yourself this, they're hoping it sticks. And if someone like calls you out, they'll call out right. uh, the, the, the parade. People are saying it. I, Mariah Carey didn't say she was the Queen of Princess. It was whoever announced her. <laughs> They're always the, saying the, this. The Queen of Christmas. Everyone's saying this. Yeah, no, Everyone's saying it's it about work. me. She's going to try to make Fetch win. Uh, fetch, uh, uh, and I don't think Fetch is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. We also have the... Oh, the computer-generated rapper. That was this year. <laughs> this was a weird story. Was a weird story. Uh, what was it? FN Mecca? Yeah, Capital Music announced that they were going to uh, make a deal with a fake AI, AI record rapper. But the thing with AI is it learns from the people who make it. And turns out, yes, there was footage of this guy, uh, let's say, uh, perpetuating some stereotypes and saying some words that a robot probably shouldn't. And yeah, ultimately Capital severed ties with it and we're no longer going to move forward with it. This is this terrifying future that we live in. Yes. There's also country beef between Maren Morris and Jason Aldean. Yes, I love this. Aldeans and Brittany Aldean. This was my favorite country story of the year because I feel like they've been waiting to get their comeuppance. <laughs> what, from the Aldeans? Yes. So, yeah, no, it's good to see that there are some voices in the country that are not going to, uh, let's say, stand by when there's hate and when there's, um, yeah, when there's perpetuation of certain things. And I'm like, I'm glad to see it because... There's a large quotient of country fans who will dogpile on that kind of stuff, and it's very unfortunate to see in a genre that has a lot to be, like has a lot of great things about it, 
I don't want to see it dragged down by a small portion that is gross and ugly and ugly beliefs. You know? Yeah. You know? Anyway. It was also around this time that uh, when Butler and Arcade Fire yeah, this is when this came back came in out. the news, came out. You saw Feist, who was going to tour with them, drop off the tour mm-hmm. in reaction to the allegations. Makes sense. Yeah. But then in September, we got probably the biggest news of yes. the year. One of them. One of them. Taylor Swift announcing a new album. Yeah, she announced it at the VMAs after accepting um, an award. And, uh, yeah, started the Midnight's Era, and uh, it was all uh, downhill for them. No, that's not true. It ended up uh, working out for her as Midnight's, when it did come out in October, set countless records, is in a rotation on plenty of people's playlists, and will probably uh, show up on a lot of people's year-end, both streaming and critical lists. Um, But, yeah, it all began here when she confirmed that it would be a new album, not a re-record, mm-hmm. for the end of 2022. Yes, and not a Taylor's version. Not a Taylor's version. And yeah, it was good to see uh, get new music from Taylor. It had been a little hot second since uh, Lover came out. Yep. Uh, we also had um, Louis Capaldi coming out sharing news that he has Tourette's yes. Syndrome. Yeah. Um, I think maybe uh, this might be a little hard to do, but I feel like a, a large story this year that I think that we could consider is artists being honest when it's time to, like, not tour anymore, for whatever reason. You had a lot of people last year talk about mental health mm-hmm. and how that affects touring. We're going to talk about, probably in a little bit, Selena Gomez's documentary and about that was about her mental health struggles and how she had to stop touring for a while. Mm-hmm. You see, with a lot of... Uh, but in this case, you have Justin Bieber and Louis Cavalli kind of both coming out and being like, it's just, like, it's gonna, this is a thing that I'm dealing with, it's not necessarily going to stop my career, but I just want to let you know, want to be honest with my fans and be like, this is my life, this is what I'm dealing with, and now you know. Well, we had the Al Jackson come out last that year. too. With his final tour. Yeah. Or he announced it last year, and then I was able to go through it this year. Yeah, and Louis Pauly, he's not saying that he's not going to tour anymore. Right. But I'm saying that transparency and that feeling of one-to-one conversation with the fan base mm-hmm. is something we didn't used to get. It used to be like we'd be years, like we wouldn't find out stuff about like this about artists for years. They would keep it under wraps and only reveal it if, say, they were hospitalized, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We still see it in a lot of cases where artists will all of a sudden say like, oh, they're in the hospital for something we didn't even know that they had. And I feel like now we're getting to the point where now it's more of a conversation with your fans. And I think that's a cool development. It's one of the good things to come out of that weird parasocial relationship thing that social media has introduced with celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We also had Harry Styles in Don't Worry Darling and possibly <laughs> being spit on. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, Harry Styles, quite a year. Yes. Uh, As It Was was a perennial summer song. Probably the song of the summer. Probably the song of, yeah, of the year. The and summer. maybe the record of the year, depending on how the Grammys work out. But yeah, I definitely, he was everywhere. The album was everywhere. His relationship, question mark, with the director of uh, Don't Worry Darling, Olivia Wilde, was yes. also everywhere. It was hard to escape uh, Harry Styles in 2022. Yep. Um, of people not being able to tour. The weekend, losing his voice mid-concert at the so- at SoFi Stadium, yeah, having to reschedule. This happens um, to a lot of artists. Not surprised that the weekend that the weekend had this as well. Yeah. And then we also had Cardi B accepting a plea deal regarding the 
2018 strip club incident. Yeah, this kind of dug up a little bit of an old story. Uh, but yeah, ultimately kind of messed up like in all, all, in all corners here. Uh, but yeah, weird, weird story. Mm-hmm. We also had the Senate introducing the American Music Fairness Act, which aimed to ensure that artists and music creators receive fair compensation for use of their songs on AM and FM radio. Potentially a big deal, but unfortunately we won't see it until, until it happens. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, could be a game changer when you actually finally give artists credit, which believe it or not, has not been the case ever since this started on Radio Plays. <laughs> and we also have Paramore announcing their newest um, yeah. touring, tour and next album. And yes. released a single. Very exciting. Everything I've heard so far, uh, the this is why the first single and what I've heard preview wise of the new second single they're going to release all sounds wonderful. Can't wait for new Paramore. That is going to be early twenty twenty three. And then we also had Blink one eighty two in October yep. announcing that they would be reuniting, as we mentioned. Yep, as I mentioned, so they are currently touring. Uh, they will. Yeah, they 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 made kind of a big impact. All of a sudden, people were talking about Blink One Eighty Two again, as if it was like two thousand three. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, uh, let's age again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, oh, uh, okay. This has to be one of the bigger stories. Yeah, one of the weirder stories. One of the weirder sure. stories is that BTS, the, you know, the K-pop band BTS, announced that they would be signing up for Korea's mandatory military <laughs> service. Yeah, this had been hinted at last year with the question of whether the government was going to make an exception for the members of BTS or not. Ultimately, they decided, oh, actually, no. This is probably a good promotion tool, actually, for the young people of South Korea to have their heroes go and do this. I mean, yes, say what you will about military service as a thing. Uh, It is interesting that this does affect literally everyone. And now K-pop has its own Elvis... In the army moment mm-hmm. uh, going forward, and I'm sure it'll be a huge deal when uh, they come back, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, they have a big comeback uh, tour in like 2025 or whatever. Yeah, once they uh, once they're all done and be like, hey, yeah, we can still do this, Let's do again. this again. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Can you imagine the fans? Yep. So yeah, interesting story. Let's see here, um, and then we have Al Jackson accepting. Uh, the Country Music Association's Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. Uh, and then <laughs> and then that goes to the end of October, October 21st specifically, yes. when Midnight's was released. Yes. We'll talk a bit more about Midnight's when we get uh-huh. to our list, because will. it will be at least on one of our lists, if not both. But what we need to talk about, and what I think Probably has to be story of the year, in my opinion. Even though it's recency bias. It's, I don't think it's just that, because this was, again, this has seeds going back to the 1990s. Yes. But hit ahead in a way that it never hit until literally recently. And that is... The Eras Tour. Swifties versus tick, uh, Ticketmaster is what I'm calling it. That's what you're calling it? Yeah. I think the Swifties are finally going to be the thing that brings them down. So it all began when... Taylor finally announced that she would be going back on tour. The first tour that she's done since 2017's Reputation Tour, called the Eras Tour. She announced that she would be playing stadiums throughout the U.S. 
And she announced all the other uh, bands she was going to tour with, including Paramore, Haim, Phoebe Bridgers, Bee Padoobie, Girl in Red, Muna, Gail, Grace Owens, Grace Abrams, and Owen. And then uh, said, hey, there's going to be a pre-sale. Ticketmaster sent a bunch of people an email saying, like, hey, you can do this thing. And then the shit hit the fan. And what I mean by shit, I mean billions of hits on Ticketmaster's website. Too much for it to handle, even in the pre-sale. People who even got in, the website broke on them. People who thought they were guaranteed tickets because they had codes were met with 404 errors. It was an absolute disaster. People took to the internet talking to complain about it. Taylor herself said that Ticketmaster had assured her that nothing would go wrong and that it would be without a hitch. Ticketmaster apologized kind of half-heartedly. They canceled the public sale. So that means that only the pre-sale people got tickets for this thing. As of this recording, we still do not know where the rest of the tickets are going and may never know. This may be it. Maybe this is already sold. A lot of nights did already sell out just from the pre-sale. So it kind of even spread to the government where the U.S. government is now looking into Ticketmaster. Of course, that was happening before this. Anyways, mm-hmm. this was, though, the catalyst to get an extra fuel to that fire. So, to me, I think that this is the comeuppance. I think this, to me, it feels like an important story because it mattered then, it matters now, and it will matter in the future. Ticketmaster is a monopoly. And I think that it's fitting, in a way, to have Taylor and her fans, an entity, a machine, if you will... <laughs> that is built for getting revenge against institutions that have wronged them, I think is the thing that finally topples the empire. And I have this feeling that if anything's going to take Ticketmaster down, it wasn't Eddie Vedder, it's going to be Taylor Swift. Like you said, this goes back to 1994 when Pearl yes. Jam was in front of the U.S. Mm-hmm. Congress saying, yes. uh, t- talking about Ticketmaster. You had then. figures like them, you had Metallica also around the mm-hmm. same time decrying Ticketmaster. And there's been kind of a soft rumble ever since. I mean, like, but this is the biggest it's ever been. This we is... have talked about it on this podcast before. Yeah. Yes. And we've also talked about the government intervention or potential government intervention for it. But I think that nothing this big has happened since the 90s. And I think that's the difference. This feels different. This feels like a big enough momentum change that something might actually happen here. But anyway. So, is, is your story, like, Ticketmaster? Or is it Taylor Swift related? It's Ticketmaster, is okay. the story, I think. And the fact that we're finally, something big enough finally happened where we do actually have to really seriously consider what can be done. And it's happening. And the ball is rolling in a way that it never rolled before. Alright, now my only thing about that is that there's no finality to No! It. Something happened, no. yes. But nothing is final about it. Ticketmaster is still going on business as usual now, especially around the holidays here where people will be buying tickets for venues, for sporting events, for concerts, because Ticketmaster, in some part or some way, owns... I mean, yes, the online nation... stake in the venues. Yeah, the online nation, which is the biggest stakeholder in venues in the world. Mm -hmm. So it checks out. That being said, I really do, I feel strongly that 
the war itself is an interesting enough topic that we don't necessarily need to know who wins quite yet because that actually might be a little bit of a letdown. And that's the anticlimactic. I think the interesting part of the story is the fact that there's a challenger big enough now and that we have the government actually looking into it. And I think that that in itself is a fascinating development. And I think way more fascinating to me on a music industry level than anything else that happened this year. But that's my opinion. But that's just your opinion. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about our units in a little bit. Yeah, in a little bit. Because we just have to wrap up a couple more news stories. Yeah. Including Christina Aguilera doing a feature documentary. Yeah, big year for uh, documentaries about uh, uh, artists. Yeah, well, I guess we could talk about all the other documentaries that happened earlier this year as well. There's been quite a bit. Um, like you said, including the... Um, Olivia Rodrigo Olivia put Rodrigo out the Driving Home to You one, uh, yep. which is more of a concert thing, but also semi-documentary. Yeah. Uh, you got the Ariana Grande uh, one on... Um, is that on Apple Music as well? Yeah, that's one on Apple Music yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's becoming more of a commonplace of artists putting out a either documentary yeah. or a compa- compatible album yeah. with songs. Jimmy Lovato did something similar to that. Yep. Selena Gomez just did this, mm-hmm. uh, which we mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, uh, yeah. And Jennifer Lopez is going to do it next year as well. That is true. Uh, I think, though, because that's, that has seeds in the like, that's already kind of been happening with mm-hmm. Billie Eilish and Taylor Swift in the last few years. It is definitely coming to a head. Um, so, yeah, consider it. And then we get to the top three stream songs of December. Yeah, we just talked about it on our podcast this yeah. week. Yep, top stream songs of the year, um, especially for YouTube, going back all the way to the beginning of the year with Encanto. Yeah. Being We Don't Talk About Bruno, as well as Surface Pressure. For Spotify, it was Bad Money. With Un Verano Senti, generating 18.5 billion streams in the year. Yeah. And then over on Apple Music, it was surprisingly The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber with Stay. A 2021 song. Yes. Uh, well, I guess technically Encanto is 2021 as well. Yeah, but late. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, interesting to see that three streaming services yeah, each good. had different number ones. Yeah, it is fascinating. It does kind of give you an idea of, and I mentioned this on the podcast, how we've siloed ourselves almost into demographically based streaming services. Mm-hmm. Like you have the families here, and you have the, the younger people here, and you have the vast majority of the world on Spotify. And so it's interesting how that contrasts. Um, yeah, um, Kind of a good snip, snapshot of how stream, how the streaming world specifically affects uh, music and how music is, music data is analyzed. Yep. Um, I mean, we didn't mention this with Taylor Swift, but she did have all ten uh, slots for the Billboard Top yeah. 100 yes. when her album debuted. The first time that has ever happened, where all ten were the same artists. And the first time, this is my favorite data point of that last week, first time there was a top ten where no man was in the top ten. <laughs> also, no one that's not named Taylor Swift. <laughs> so, goes to show you. But, uh, but yeah, uh, quite an event. And we'll talk, like you said, more about Midnight's in a little bit. Yep. But before we get to our top five list, yes. we need to name a story of the year. Well, I made my argument. I'm pretty confident that I think the Ticketmaster thing is the biggest thing that happened all year. Um, I think it's going to... It has an extreme effect on the now. 
and also will have an extreme effect on the future, depending on how it ends up. And uh, like I said, I just think it's more interesting and has more of an impact than literally anything else we've talked about. Right. Um, I think you might be right because we can, this it can be coupled with the Taylor Hawkins concert and because yeah. that also had a firestorm of pre-sale tickets through Ticketmaster. It's also something that intersects a couple of other big stories of the year, which is Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and also Blink-182. Yes. When their tour tickets came out, people were complaining about the fees again, which is a recurring story about Ticketmaster. And the fees are one of the arguments is why they shouldn't have a, this much of a monopoly, because mm-hmm. they have the freedom to increase those fees and make them as ridiculous as they are, because there's no competition. There's nobody as big of them, as big of them challenging them to lower their fees. No one is there. It all intersects. You mean $68 fees per ticket? Jesus. For a $150 ticket? Too much. You can't be paying half of the ticket in fees. It's obnoxious. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like all roads kind of lead this direction. Especially when you consider, and here's another little little thing, and we didn't really talk about it because it's smaller news than a lot of the stuff we talk about here. Touring is a nightmare for both bigger artists and for independent artists right now. The post-COVID era has led to lower revenue for artists touring. Also, the places that they're touring at, venues, have also tightened their belts in the the post-pandemic world. Which means that they're asking for more money from the artists who are touring. And big companies like... Uh, Ticketmaster owning something like Live Nation, which owns and operates so many of these venues, makes it even harder for smaller artists to break in and do shows. So it's created this untenable environment for artists of any size to tour. Tour has become such a hard thing. But it's also the lifeblood of a musician's um, like livelihood in an era where streaming has screwed over how people make music actually distributing, mm-hmm. uh, make money distributing their music. So it's become, like, so Ticketmaster has a huge hand in that story, too, of, like, making it way harder than it should be to live as a musician in the United States. So, yeah, there's countless roads that all kind of intersect in the music business here. And the fact that we're actually possibly at a moment right now where there might be government intervention could be extremely like important for the future of music as we know it. Which is wild to think about. Right. But just for the sake of arguing. <laughs> yes, which is what we're here to do. Which we're here to do. Uh, the <laughs> other story, as mentioned, yes. is the Kanye West story. And yeah, I get what you're saying, but ultimately to me... It is a culmination of years. But, so, but Ticketmaster... Again, but but the difference for me is is not only that is 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 a thing, but also I just don't think we need to talk about it. We I haven't to, talked about it. That's the thing is I think that to shine a spotlight again and be like, I just don't, I just don't, I don't feel like. And also to me, the recent stuff is so beyond music that it doesn't even feel like a music story anymore. It feels like a story of a man who is now saying some really dangerous shit. Like, straight-up dangerous, like, life-endangering things. Where people are actually going to potentially be the subject of actual real-life violence because of the things he's out there saying. 
on Joe Rogan or whatever. And to me, that crosses a line where that's not a music story anymore, and it's not something we should cover in this podcast. And to me, as much as it is fascinating to be like, oh, well, this is a story of an artist who has fallen, it's so much more than that now. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes beyond that. This is a, a crisis. This is a dangerous crisis that a man is having in front of everyone, and we cannot, we cannot... There's, it's almost become inappropriate to talk about it at this point. Like, to me, it's like, no, like, let him deal with it. The less we give him fuel to his fire, hopefully he'll disappear and we won't have to think about him again. That's where I'm at with it. So you, you make a strong argument, but that's my feelings, is that, like, it's not a music story anymore. I know. I just don't feel like celebrating Ticketmaster. We're not celebrating Ticketmaster either. We're celebrating <laughs> the fact that we're actually going to look into... Dismantling yeah, the empire. The, but there is no action. It's pointing out the problem. There was action. We never had government action happen, and it happened. Or so they say. What is the yeah. full action? It's happening. All right. Ticketmaster story of the year. Yeah, it has to be to me. All right. And that hits us on the hour mark. And yep. with that, transitions us. Look at us go. We're like pros or something. It's like we've been doing this for six years. Yeah, something like that. And with that, transitions us right into our list of albums that we listen to indeed so how this works we have somehow against all odds whittled down our favorite albums of the year to a top five for each of us somehow over the course of the year we've listened to 59 different albums i believe it i mean i probably listened to more than that but i don't talk about all of those yes. on the podcast but yeah a large portion of them are on this list um it's been quite a year. Um, how we'll do this is we'll each go down our top fives. After we've done so, we'll do kind of an honorable mention of things that fell through the cracks that were maybe just outside of our top fives for us. Mm -hmm. And then once we're done with that, we will then name one album that we will refer to as the Media Boat Podcast Album of the Year. And that we more or less uh, agree on. Uh, it'll be easy this year. It'll be an easy one this year. It'll back might be easy. It might be hard, but we'll find out. We'll we get right into these lists. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, who who should go first here? Uh, I'll go first. You want to start this party off? I'll start this party off with Mr. Jaw Party himself. So we're starting at five and moving to one. Is yes, I always start at five and yep. move to one. All right, so Mr. John Party and Mr. Saturday Night. Mr. Saturday Night comes in in the number five slot. Um... One of my uh, criteria for ranking albums is, mm -hmm. would I see this person in concert? Absolutely. And for John Party, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, I saw him in concert before he even put out this album. Well, there you go. And I liked the songs that he was putting out. I was like, oh, I like this song. This must be a deep cut. I've never heard this song before. I don't know all of John Party's discography, so this must be a very deep cut that he hasn't played. But I'm really digging it. Turns out... I was a fool because it was cut off his upcoming album, Mr. Saturday Night. <laughs> and boy, does it sound like a party. It delivered what you wanted. It's like. exactly what I wanted. Yeah. It's a good, fun time on a Saturday night. A uh, lot of very up music, a lot of very hot beats, uh, mm -hmm. as well as very good John Party swing and twang, <laughs> especially coming off of his uh, what was it Heartbreak Medication album, mm. which I did love. But at the same time, I couldn't put it on my list because I was not in the mood for a right. Heartbreak album. I remember this, yes. Even though it was a good album, it I was never in the mood to listen to the Heartbreak album. Sure. But 
from that album did come one of the songs that I listened to a lot this year. Uh, that is Tequila Little Time. <laughs> <laughs> Great pun. It is. Uh, and so Mr. John Party finally, after years of me listening and liking his, his albums. <laughs> made a top five. Finally made it to the top five. Wow. Unfortunately, that does mean that it's going to bump off Harry's House by Harry Styles. We'll talk about that in the honorable mention. But yes. yeah, he gets an honorable mention there. <laughs> All right, but there are four albums that are above that. Yes. Uh, at number four uh, is an album that came out at the beginning of the year. It dominated the first half of this year for me. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it did fall off, but I think that is because it came out so strong at the beginning of the year, but by the time other stuff came other out, stuff came out yeah. I was like, okay, I'm moving on to other stuff, unfortunately, during this time, and that is The Weeknd with Dawn FM. Yes. Coming out with a surprise Jim Carrey on the album, <laughs> yeah. narrating your way through. Yeah. Uh... But this is, of course, following uh, The weekend in After Hours, following his first album post-Super Bowl performance right. as well. yeah. Uh, and he would eventually come and tour on this uh, as he had to yeah. postpone his uh, After Hours tour to become After Hours Don FM. Yeah. yeah. I, also, another one that I was trying to get concert tickets right, to go yeah. concert. No, I really like this one too. Uh, it's I think the thing you said about came out in the beginning of the year was it was talked about by everyone, and then other stuff came out and was largely kind of forgotten. I think that's going to be the story you see repeated a lot about Don FM, and that's the tricky part about releasing something in the early part of the year. And that's yeah, it's yeah. also a tricky part of release schedules. Of yeah, you need to one artists are contracted to release albums by a certain yeah. point. Yeah, so but. I mean, and also it doesn't help that he's removed himself from the Grammy conversation, mm-hmm. so it's harder to keep that momentum going throughout the year without award talk. He but did get some AMAs, though. He did get AMAs. So, uh, yeah, but it's, it goes, it's honestly a testament, though, that it's appearing here and in a lot of your end lists right now, just to how much of a creative peak The weekend is at right now. He's making the best music of his career in yes. the last two records. Donovan is spectacular. I think it's the best thing he's done. Take My I Breath is amazing. Super consistent. There's a vibe to it. There's even like a thematic thing that you mm-hmm. mentioned with the Jim Carrey stuff that's an interesting angle for him to take. Yes. He's a, just a, such a creative artist right now, and I think that people are kind of sleeping on it. It is one of the things that I do look for in album is, is this more of singles and hits, mm-hmm. or is it more of a complete album? Is it telling me a story? And that's what Donovan does. to say does. about The weekend. he puts out the hits. Yeah, he puts out the hits, the <laughs> highlights. Yeah, and it's one of the rare hits that are like, he, he's able to write great, like, very popular synth pop music. songs that still, like, feel like they there's something but, there. Yeah. There's a heft to them. There's mm-hmm. a thematic meaning for him. And it just goes to show you, he's really hit a stride. And I hope he continues with it. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping when he reschedules the SoFi shows, I'll be able to go this time. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a fun uh, show, honestly. It would be a fun show. It'd be a fun show to go to at this point. Yes. Um, but yeah, that made the difference. Also, why Harry's House kind of fell off, because yeah. while that was a bunch of hits and singles, it didn't feel like a full album, but... Yeah, I it's like a really hit or miss thing, yeah. Full albums. I didn't care for it, but yeah. Unfortunately, it only comes in at my number four slot, because... As we mentioned, yeah. other stuff came out over the course of the year that I just ended up gravitating more towards yeah. and listening to. And especially, what would those be? Especially when I was going back and listening, like, okay, what are the albums that I had, like, underlined? And, like, which ones do I actually want to go back yeah. to? Yeah. 
And one of those albums that I actually wanted to go back to was Special by Lizzo. This one is shocking to me because we were really divided about this yes, album. Yes, you didn't like this I album. did not care for it at all. I don't even think I like all of the single It's About Tam Time. I think it's really mixed, and I, I feel that about the whole album. Oh, but I really like this album. Right. It, it's very empowering. It's very upbeat. It's very at points in your face, but not too much in your face like the uh, Beyonce album was. Sure. Because these two, these two did kind of come out about a month apart from each other. Yeah. Uh, but it is special that ends up on my list, more so of the message that Lizzo puts in, not just through her songs, but throughout the whole album as well. Sure. sure. Um, it's a good reason why, the special reason why this is named special. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about uh, in the news section was Lizzo... Playing the crystal <laughs> flute. Yes! That happened earlier this year. Wonderful. Yes, what a piece. Yes, she's a really great flautist. <laughs> Turns out. Yes. Uh, and this album itself, like I said, About Damn Time, just a banger. It's a hit. It is just everywhere. Uh, even special, I really, really like. Even yeah. though it's more of a lullaby, it's, yeah. it is very, like, Pun intended. Very special of a Aww. song for her to put out. And I can see why yeah. she made the album after it. And it is about, like, making you feel special. Making sure you feel special and perfect. Yeah. No, I, I like Lizzo, largely. I think that, like... For me, I just... I think I wanted a bit more of a variety with it. And I think that it was just... She's in a mode in her career right now, unlike The Weeknd, which just feels like she figured out what works and she's not mm-hmm. really going outside of that box, really. Which is fine, because it is very empowering for the people who need that encouragement. It is very, it's hitting a very specific thing that not a lot of people are hitting right now. And I get that that's why mm-hmm. she's as popular as she is. I mean, just look at what she's doing outside of music, too, which her show, uh, was it Lizzo's Big Girls? Or yes, Big like Girls. And it's like, it's like she's found a brand for herself, and it works, and I'm glad. I'm glad that she, I'm glad that she exists, largely, because, like, it's great. And I realized that was a pun, and I did not intend it. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, yes, I just really that. Oh, yeah, the song Girls is also on this album. That makes sense. It was like, yes. Yeah, so, like, I just, I think, personally, I just want her to go, leap, make that extra leap. Make that. Yes. I want to see the super personal, like. Emmy award-winning Lizzo? Yeah, I want to see, yes, Emmy award-winning Lizzo. I want to see her make that next more adventurous, more experimental, more personal record. And I think once we get that, we'll get to know the real Lizzo. Not saying we're not seeing the real Lizzo, but I'm saying that, like, I feel like we're getting Lizzo the idea still, which is works for people, but, like, there's still a disconnect for me, and I'm not quite there with her. But, hey, I say keep going, keep doing what you're doing, because people seem to really love it. All right. Uh, that brings me to my top two albums. Yes. And also, you can flip-flop these, depending on which day of the week it sure. is. Yeah, I feel you. Um... Both probably at the height of their own careers, both arguably the height of their own genres as well. I think at a creative high, high, high too, yes. uh, personally, I think. Uh, but ultimately, one has to go out above the other. Yes. And I am picking the my number one based off of, if I'm on a plane, <laughs> which one am I going to go to? Okay. And also, 
kind of which would be easier to get tickets to maybe? <laughs> <laughs> again Ticketmaster's really screwed up on that one yeah I don't know about that but <laughs> yeah um, yeah so like if I'm going on a plane I gotta listen to an album which one I'm gonna put on mm-hmm. I unfortunately am not going to put on my number two album and that is I don't know I keep saying unfortunately stop but waiting it's just, it would be just pull the trigger alright Taylor Swift Midnights is my number yeah. two album of the year. Yeah, I'll accept that. Chew all shocks and boos and... No, I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's good. It's a real it's good It's really album. good. I don't I really like about it more on my list, but yes. It's got a... It hits a lot of what I liked from the previous album. Um, sorry. The previous, previous album. You're talking about Lover? No, no. I'm not talking about Lover. You're talking about Folklore? I'm talking about Folklore. Not talking about Evermore, because you put out Evermore at the end of the year. I know you like to put them together, but there's hey. two separate albums. Yeah. I know you like to say they come popular on each other, but there's two they separate do. albums. They, they seem the same. But yes, it hits the tones of folklore. Uh, at first listen, I was a bit questionable on it. Sure. But it's definitely a grower. Yeah. Uh, anti-hero, definitely a hit. Yeah. As you can see, point to Billboard 100. Yes. I mean, there's a reason all top, all ten songs charted for the billboard yeah there is a reason that Ticketmaster literally broke from her <laughs> because of her and her fans yeah it is one of the biggest albums of this year and to not have it on my list <laughs> does feel kind of like a, a sleight of hand sure but it is that good of an album there's a reason all the hype is there yeah there is a reason that people keep saying this keep quoting this <laughs> at, we're always saying this we were at a bar the other day yeah and they kept playing songs on this album, like, every third song. Yeah, I believe it. It's good. You can listen to it, like I said, at a bar, in a club, in the mm-hmm. car, working out. Maybe not working out. But you get what I mean. It's it's a good album that can be played anywhere, for any time, for all the seasons. <laughs> wow. An album for all seasons. And yes, my number two album. <laughs> hey, because something else can't. This year. Yes, because something else came out this year that I wasn't expecting to be grasped as strong. Especially coming off of her last release, which you were not that high on. Uh, not about her the... last solo release, but her last collaborative release. Yes, because her last solo release I was high on. Which yeah, was we loved Wildcard. It was on our, I believe, both of our top fives last year. Yes, but, yes. Uh, the previous year. That was two years ago, that's right. That was previous year. Wildcard was previous year. I am talking about Miranda Lambert as my number one yes. album. Yes. And that is Palomino. Yes. Which I think is a hit through and through. There is no wrong songs on this album. Much like with our consensus of Golden Hour. Yeah. With Casey Musgraves. It hits all the right notes. It hits all the right feels. It also feels very personal coming from Miranda Lambert. Yeah. And you're right. There are the last collaborative thing that she put out was the Marfa tapes, which I was very negative on. And I think it just wasn't what you wanted from that artist. And do you remember yeah. what I said when the Marfa tapes yeah, came out? Yeah, wait until she puts these out with full production and see what happens. And yeah, you nailed it. Because yes. the best songs, in my opinion, on this record are the ones that were birthed on the Marfa tapes and you hear in their full glory here. Some yeah. of the best songwriting she's ever done. Like Geraldine. Yeah, Geraldine. Instant classic. Uh, where it's a classic classic yep. for me. I think I it's the you, song on the right. As much as I liked yeah. the Marfa tapes, I didn't like it because it did feel 
raw on a campfire. Yeah. It needed to be cleaned up. I didn't want to listen to what ended up sounding to be like a scratchy record. Yeah, a demo. Um, it was a demo. Yeah. But having, like I said, having them cleaned up, having the full production value behind it, yeah. that there's a lot of good stuff in there. And sure enough, Miranda Lambert and her team were able to pull out Palomino from it, and it is so good. We're in such a great era of her career right now because I feel like the I feel like she is at the point in her career where she's like, no, I'm just doing this for me, which is so freeing. She's out of the confines of the traditional Nashville sound mm-hmm. now. She's able to work with the people she likes working with. She's able to make music the way she wants to. She's able to collaborate, uh, like, do features with only the people she wants to. And she's been able to put records like this out, I think, ever since her double album. Are you talking about Taylor Swift or... That's the thing, is it is kind (laughs) of like... They both have had similar trajectories, right? Where it's like they both were in the industry system, largely got screwed by it, had to bail out of it, had... uh, Both had public... uh, public situations come out with their love lives and then um, have written great music about the aftermath of it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I think that they're both putting out some of the best songwriting they've ever put out right now, especially Miranda, yeah. Some of the songs on here are... I, I honestly... A week ago, I think I would have said this is my second favorite of her albums because I have a I have a real soft spot for 2009's uh, Revolution. Mm-hmm. It was my. I think it still has the highest highs for me, but now I'm thinking actually this might be the best thing she's done. It's it's so consistent. So consistent. Every song is great. Every song hits. Yeah. There are no bad songs on this. Even the songs you think are aren't good, like yeah, Tourist. Yeah. I turns, absolutely yeah. love Tourist. They, they, I play it whenever I land from a plane. <laughs> I'm just yeah. a tourist. Yeah, it's good. Just walking through the airport with it and singing. It's good. It's so good. It's so good. So yeah, that that that'd be a fun show. I have never seen Miranda. I want to see her someday. Oh, uh, Doctor has seen her live like every single time she's in town. <laughs> nice. It's like her and her mom's thing. I'm gonna try and sneak in with it. <laughs> Can I go too? Can I go too? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. great. Palomino, Miranda Lambert, my number one album this year. Sounds good. Well, it just so happens that I can make a clean segue. Okay. Because my number five album <laughs> is Miranda Lambert's Palomino. So yeah, unfortunately, yes, like like this always has to go. Mm-hmm. There just happened to be five, four albums on top of this that I slight slightly more. But that saying, I still think this is probably the best thing she's ever done. Everything you just said is true. This is a super consistent album. It's probably like her at her peak of her powers. I just love everything about it. The attitude she has on these songs is just so so great. And yeah, like you mentioned, the cleanup versions of the songs that she introduced to us on the Marfa tapes are fantastic pieces of country songwriting. Like if somebody wanted me to show, like this was like, hey, yeah, I don't really like country music. Like, I don't get it. I feel like this is the album I would show them. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, no, this is it. It's, well, this is Golden Hour. Right, yeah. But, like, yeah. This is Golden Hour. Golden Hour is a little more on the fringes, though, even than this. This is more of a country record. And I think that, yeah, it does enough things within that vocabulary and within that world. It still operates as a country record while also feeling like an, a very honest, intimate document from a singular artist. And that's what Miranda is at this point. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And it's probably the most consistent of the records that are on my list. It's, yeah, it's definitely the country record that I'll probably go back to for years, just like Golden Hour kind of became mm-hmm. part of the rotation. <laughs> Yeah, uh, number five. 
Definitely. What a great record from Miranda. Number four, moving up the list. This is one that had to be on here. Uh, Blue Rev by Always. Always band that's been my favorite, one of my favorites since they were introduced in the mid-2010s. They haven't put out a whole lot. This is only their third record. They had a five-year gap since the last one because of some drama they were having with their label and with the pandemic kind of affecting their recording schedule. They just couldn't get it done. But here it is, and it's just as high quality as they've always been. And yeah, a lot of people when this came out was like, oh, is this a new benchmark for like what we're calling like dream pop or power pop? And I think it is. Like the way they make shoegaze-influenced pop is just so uniquely them. It doesn't sound like anything else anybody else is doing. And they took that and amped it up like 15 times. Something that a lot of reviews of this album have said is just it feels like it's on adrenaline, like from track one to the end. Everything moves so fast and is so loud and has all these different sounds, all these guitars and synths and all this stuff happening at once that it feels overwhelming almost at first, but it's an overwhelming that works. And that's like somebody with my brain is able to like put together and like see like all the moving parts kind of worked in, in unison with each other. And it's the best thing they've done. It's also some of the best songwriting they've done. One of the things that they're really good at is putting like lyrics that feel like really mundane situations, but in these happy hyper pop songs. So they feel like surreal almost. And like, there's a lot of songwriting like that in this. It's just a lot of fun. And for a band that I think that a lot of people feared would be, oh, well, they had this one popular single in like 2014 and largely were forgotten after that. They really made a career for themselves. And this is evidence of like, no, no, these are pros and they're putting out something like that nobody else could possibly have done. Yeah. You're, you're all always. Yes. Looking for always. (laughs) Always. Yes. Always about the always. So yeah, but still only number four though, because there were three other things that worked with me on a slightly different level. And the next one, number three is Beatopia by Biba Doobie, one of the fun, most fun names to say. Yes, you made me say that name several times on this podcast. Biba Doobie, it's fun to say. So, Biba Doobie interesting, has an interesting career trajectory so far. Uh, it's really hard to, to, to describe where she and the band came from, because they kind of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, there was just this band that was doing, like, these songs that sounded like 90s grunge and they kind of just appeared and were starting to like go viral on like before TikTok at this point like on on like I don't even know YouTube videos or whatever and like all of a sudden like they started doing more interesting stuff which culminated in that Coachella performance Mm -hmm. which I even was like hey you should check this out because this band is doing something interesting and nobody's really there so when they when you're there at Coachella you should go check check them out, because they're doing something very, I think, pretty cool. And then this album comes out. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, no. This is, like, next level. Like, they're not just, like, this weird grunge tribute thing anymore. They're trying all sorts of different sounds, and they've created what the... And the album name actually kind of evokes what this album feels like, which is, like, this lived-in world, which is, like, trying all sorts of different genres. There's, like, Bossa Nova on this record. There's, like, this, like, slow-paced kind of, like, like jazz-adjacent kind of sounds that they dip into. But there's also, like, like pop songs, and there's also, like, synth ballads, and there's also... 
but there's this recurring theme of also just like talking about these very honest experiences that this that the, the the singer the lead of the band is going through and it's just fascinating stuff it's also she's also in this world she and the band are also in this world that kind of has a lot of overlap with the 1975 that kind of era of current like like the current Britpop sound that kind of surrounds the 1975 yes. the band not the year yes yeah, sorry uh, the, and so Maddie Healy of the of the, uh, 1975 does actually show up here and co-writes a couple of songs. I don't really care for the 1975, but what I will say is that it does lend that same kind of very young and creative vibe that that scene kind of has right now, and it does kind of flesh out some of the songs in a way. Um, and yeah, it just works for me, and I really like how the sounds. And I really like the different things that it's trying to do, and I just return to it over and over and over again. And I don't know if it's going to be something that appears on a lot of your endless because I think people are, are it's very easy to overlook a project like this. But yeah, it's something that I've just really stuck with me in a way that a lot of stuff didn't this year, and it's that's why it ranks as high as it does here. Um, I really I really like this little album, and I hope more people listen to it. You know, they are going on t- tour with Taylor Swift. Yes, that is the other half of this, is I think they're about to blow up, because, yeah, as soon as Taylor brings them on tour, I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, this is fun, this is different, like, this feels like a very relatable kind of vibe, and I think a lot of people are going to like it. Okay. But that brings us to the top two, which I had a similar kind of debate as you did between my top two, which is like, I've definitely listened to one of these, of the two, way more than the other one. But volume doesn't necessarily mean quality, and I definitely feel maybe a little bit more stronger about my number one, but I do feel pretty strong about my number two. And yes, here's where I do it. Time to talk about Taylor, because Taylor Swift's Midnight's is my number two, uh, but barely not number one. It is probably my uh, favorite record she's done since Speak Now. Uh, I think I really liked Evermore, but this maybe, maybe tops Evermore for me just by a little bit. And I think a lot of that has to do with she's back to making pop songs and she's back to... She's back on her bullshit. is basically <laughs> the lesson here. Midnight's is, though, similar to stuff she's done in the past. I think it is kind of... I like to think of it as the child of reputation and lover, as if these two very polar opposite kind of feelings, this, like, revenge vibe combined with this lovey-dovey romance vibe slam together and creates this Midnight's. Feel, which is like some of these songs are love songs but even the love songs are kind of tinged with yeah but is this gonna last are we sure like lavender haze is oh, entirely good. a concept song about yeah i'm in love and i love this feeling and i hope it continues but people have expectations for me and my and my partner and i feel overwhelmed by it sometimes i was gonna say are you talking about karma instead you could also be talking about karma here a lot of this is like I really love where I'm at. I love the feeling of, like, you know, hanging out with my cat. But at the same time, it is, like, almost because of this feeling like the people who wronged me are getting their comeuppance. I'm watching people's careers, whether they're, say, a very popular uh, at one point and now absolutely terrible human being. Or maybe it's a record exec that's getting their comeuppance legally from the mm-hmm. FBI. Depending on who it is... There's a lot of people that she's watching right now that have wronged her in the past that she's watching absolutely destroy themselves in front of everybody. It's got to feel great, and Karma has a song about that. But then outside of that, she's also trying some really interesting things, both like with her sound and her lyrics. I think Antihero is one of the most interesting number one singles that we've had in a long time. 
both sound-wise and lyrically. Like, where else are you going to get a number one song that has the lyric about everybody being a sexy baby? <laughs> like, no one else could do this in the way that Taylor does. Taylor doesn't write... No one writes songs like her. Like, anymore or ever or will. Like, it's it's it's... She's carved out a zone, and she's in such a singular zone that even, like we kind of talked about earlier, mm-hmm. even Beyonce isn't in it anymore, which is she can literally do anything, and the fans will follow her, and she'll do it in a way that's convincing enough and quality, high quality enough where you're like, you know what? There's something compelling about this. It's fascinating the, the, the place that she's at. I think, just like we talked about Miranda, I think she is at a creative peak right now. Mm-hmm. And also... She's making more music than ever. The fact that she's doing all of this and doing the re-records, does she sleep anymore? <laughs> like, does the woman, like, what does she do? Does she have time to, like, sit down? Like, when does she check her social media? Like, I just don't understand how she has any time to do anything that she does, but she makes it seem so effortless and writes songs like this that are just going to be timeless. And she just turns it out. Like it's no bit like like nobody's business. Like she just does it. Like I just this is an amazing piece of work that I think you're right is probably the most grower of all of her records. I think this is something that you're right. The first time I listened to, I was like, "All right, this is what we're doing now." But by third time, I was like, "No, actually, this is an instant classic in her catalog." I think she's somehow done it again. And it's just amazing the amount of stuff she's able to do now in this current era of her career. So yeah, just uh, I wish it was easier to get tickets is <laughs> the ultimate uh, thing here. Because yeah, this is a singular artist that we haven't seen in a long, long time. And I think it's earned the ad- adulation. I think this is a record that will stick with me for a while. And yeah, I think Karma is the best song of 2022. Next up. <laughs> there you said it. No one else agrees with me there. I think I'm on an island. But I do really like that song. <laughs> And then, uh, lastly, at number one, uh, as we hit our hour 30 mark here, uh, <laughs> um, I have to give it to some, a band that is near and dear to my heart, which is The Beths and their album, Expert in a Dying Field. This is my number one just because of sheer, just wall-to-wall hits. Not hits in the traditional, like, meaning. I don't think any of this will chart ever. But I think that for me... Every single song on this record is an absolute banger. They write rock songs like nobody writes right now. They're, I saw them in concert this year, and I'm so glad I did. It was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Just the energy in that room was just so high, like just so high energy, so cool of a feeling. It was just such a fun show. They're a fun band. They're writing relatable music that just goes. It just like kind of like what I was talking about, the always. But even a more accessible sound than the Always record. I could literally show this album to anybody. I think people, I think anybody of any who has any kind of taste, as long as they like guitars, there's something like in this record. It's that universal. I think they are a viral song away from being one of the biggest names in the world. I think they, I would rather they have the career that Monaskin has, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> if the Bets had the success that Monaskin did, it would be way better. And I think a lot of people would love them. And I think that they're, that people need to find out about this band because they are fantastic and yeah, they put out the to, what to me is the best sounding, best like the most danceable, the best like sing alongable record of the year. And it just I listen to it so much and I love every bit of it. It's just fun. It's just fun and I love it so much. And I'm going to be listening to it 
to it for years to come, I'm sure. So yeah. Alright. That's my top five. So some honorable mentions that yes. albums that we listened to. Let's scroll down the list here because I didn't get to my top fifteen. Yes. So <laughs> uh, some albums uh, that we listened to this year that didn't just quite make our list include uh, "Love Sucks" by Avril Lavigne. Yeah, I kind of like that album. It's kind of like a return of form from Avril Lavigne. A pop punk record from a, yes. uh, from someone who. Looked like a pop punk artist earlier in her career, but then kind of wasn't. Yes. And then actually is now. Um, <laughs> one that I missed, well, one I listened to, I loved, uh, Run Rose Run by Dolly Parton. Yeah. Based off the book, Run Rose Run. And as I talked about, turned into a stage play, I believe? Yeah, or going to be. Going to be turned into a stage play. Yeah, I remember you talking a lot about that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there's also Wet Leg. Yes. Grammy nominated Wet Leg. They have had quite a year. Big coming out year for Wet Leg. Um, I really like that record. Um, it's just outside of my list this year. But uh, yeah, it's a good sounding rock record that is, I feel like, maybe Trojan horsing some indie sounds into the mainstream. And I'm happy for them because of it. Yeah, the Grammy nods and the touring. And, like they're, they're blowing up right now in a way that I did not anticipate that they would. We had uh, the interesting album of Kendrick Lamar with Mr. Morale and the Whew. Big Steppers. That thing feels like it is... That that album is an album that feels like someone's, uh, like, doctor's thesis yeah. or something that seems like it was translated to music. And honestly, it is too much for me. I listened to that thing once and I was like, I don't feel like I can go back to this. Did you stop after the fight? No, <laughs> I listened to it fully. Like, I finished that record, but I was like... It just left me with this feeling where I'm like, I don't need this in my life. This vibe, I feel grimy, kind of. Or I'm just like, I don't want to live here. Yep. <laughs> also had Dance Fever by Florence and the Machine. I really like this record. Uh, I think it's probably Jack, one of Jack and Isabel's best produced things. Mm-hmm. Outside of Midnight's, I guess. Yes. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that Florence, and it's never, Florence has never sounded better. I really, really enjoyed that record. Uh, we had Harry's House, Harry Styles. Yeah, it's um, for me. Gold Rush Kit by George Ezra, his final album as he would be retiring from right, music. Right, right. Uh, Denim and Rhinestones by Carrie Underwood. Yeah, it was a Carrie Underwood record. It's very Carrie Underwood <laughs> record. Uh, oh, Drake. We actually still had Drake around it. We had two, yeah, we had two Drake records. Honestly? Never mind. Yeah, that was her his dance experiment, which largely failed. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Oh, the Demi Lovato album. Yep. Holy fuck. <laughs> which uh, I didn't care for it. Uh, Viva Los Vengeance, Panic at the Disco. I like the first two songs off of this, but didn't really get the rest of the album. Yeah, I think the single is okay. Yeah. I think it's fine. Uh, uh, same thing with Muse, Will of the People. I like the first couple <laughs> songs of the album, but the rest of it was very Muse vibes, and I just wasn't into it. Yeah, I could do without Muse. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Anything? Oh, and the five albums that King Gizzard and Liz Wizard put out in yes. October. All five of them. All five of them. <laughs> Uh, yep, and then honorable mention, yeah, for me, but podcast not on any of our lists, no, but, but outside, on outside in our it. hearts, Carly Ray Jepsen, The Loneliest Time. I had a lot of hope for this thing. Ultimately, I think I do like it better than, um, than the last 
record, which is blanking on the name. I need not emotion. The name, no dedication. A dedicated. Uh, I thought there was some interesting things here. I really like the, the the title track, "The Loneliest Time." I think it's a fun disco vibe for her. And there's a there's a bridge in that song that's just fantastic. Some of the best like uh, music this year, but the rest of it didn't do as much for me. And for me, it didn't click in the way that I think it did for other people. Uh, that being said, friend of the show, Christy, loves this thing. And I think that a lot of people did find a lot to love here. But I just I think I just have to look into my like my soul and just think I'm just not as much of a Carly fan as I used to be. Sad to say. It's it's time. Yeah, <laughs> it's time to move in. Right. Any other songs? Yeah, I'll go real quick on uh, kind of my outside the top five lists here. I really like that Big Thief double record this year, uh, Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. It's the best, it's the thing that got me to finally get Big Thief. I really like it. The band, yes, has some baggage, but like, hey, um, I think that this is definitely the best music they've done. I really liked Horse Girl. Uh, their record this year was really good. Uh, Carly Cosgrove, yes, named after the iCarly character. <laughs> there, That was a fun, like, emo-adjacent record that I played a lot this year. The new Camp Cope record, the new Beach Bunny, I feel like, um, got forgotten. I think that she almost had, like, that, that band almost broke through last year, and then I think went back to minor obscurity this year, even though Bob Odenkirk apparently is a big fan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I really like the Tom Berlin record, kind of a uh, more of a sleeper pick. It's very slow, slow and methodical, but I like that about it. Um... The Future Teens record. I love Future Teens. I think Breakup Season is one of my favorite records ever. This uh, record, Self Help, I liked slightly less. I think it is also a grower, though. I think there's some fantastic songs on there. Just didn't quite hit the mark for me this year. I really liked the Cheek Face record. Cheek Face is this band that does kind of like a little bit of a talk singing kind of thing. But the, some of the lyrics are some of the funniest things I've heard all year. Definitely a highlight. Uh, and then Dry Cleaning came back with their second record. They were on my top five last year. Their second record didn't quite make the top uh, this year. I like a lot what it's doing, but it was a more low-key uh, 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 vibe than the last one, and it didn't have the high highs, I think, of that first game. Or game. I was looking at the games list. Yes. Um, uh, the first record did, and so, yeah, it didn't quite work for me. Also, it was released pretty late in the year, which kind of I didn't spend as much time with that. Uh, but, yeah, those are my shout-outs. Um, good year for music, though. I had 22 records on this list before I had to make cuts. Really? Yeah, so Beyonce barely didn't even make this as well. She was in that extra extra seven. So Alright. Yeah, so, what a year. What a year. Yeah, Fantastic year for music. But as with everything, we must come up with Media yes. Bub Podcast Album of the Year. So here's the question. Your number one is Miranda. Yes. Miranda, however, is my number five. Yes. However, Taylor, Taylor Swift number... is two on both of our lists. Yes. Does though, the question is though. Does the one in five cancel out? Does the one in five cancel? I don't know how this works because I, I will tell you right here, as much as I love Midnight's, I think there's a fair argument to make that the best Miranda Lambert record. That's something. That's quite a statement to make. If we don't pick Miranda <laughs> Lambert, it just becomes her going up against Marin Morris again, <laughs> like, and just always coming in second. It is kind of sad to see that keep happening. That being said, Midnight's is the best album yeah. that we can consist of on our number two spot. It's okay that we have our own individual <laughs> number one albums, but 
as Amiibo podcast. Is the, yeah, it is, it, it is at the same level. Also, the sheer amount of talk we've talked about Taylor Swift this year. Yes. The sheer amount of space on our podcast, like, docket that have involved Taylor. We've talked about Taylor an awful lot. Yes. So it would be somehow fitting to put her at the top of 2022. That being said, Palomino doesn't have a bad yeah, song. How about, yeah, how about this? And I, I would argue that Midnight's also does not have a bad song. Do I maybe not get um, one of them as opposed to the rest of them? Maybe. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. I'm okay with either of them being our it's, album. It's tough. It's really tough. I... Based off of, like I said, I think person, like personally, Miranda Lambert is over yeah. Taylor Swift. However, yeah. based off the lists that we literally yes. just gave. based on the lists and based on the context of the year that was. Yes. Yeah. I, it's hard not to say I Taylor guess it's Swift midnight. It's probably Midnight's. Sorry, Miranda just Lambert. number of plays. I think it has to be Midnight's. All right. Well, there you go. The Media Boat Podcast Album of the Year is Taylor Swift's Midnight's. So congratulations to Taylor. You've won yet another award. <laughs> not that you need more not that you needed more uh, but yeah that I believe will wrap this wrap up up thank you for listening to our wrap up of the year in music we will be back with more wrap ups as we tackle video games television and movies in the weeks to come in the meantime if you want to listen to our regular ass podcast there's many many ways to listen to the media boat podcast the first and best way, in our opinion, is to watch it live on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcast. If you go on there, you'll find our channel. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications when we go live. You won't find these wrap-up specials on YouTube in video form, but you will see our episodes in our regular run. So yes, catch up every Saturday with us and all our thoughts and news as it happens. If you want to listen to the show in podcast form, well, hey, you're already listening to this, so you've figured that part out already. But I'll say it anyways. We're on all sorts of podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. Search Media Boat Podcast and you'll find it, including these year-end wrap-up shows as they happen every week. You can also find us on social media, Media Boat Podcast on Twitter, or Media Boat Podcast somewhere on Facebook, where... And you can email us to tell us just how wrong we are with these top fives at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. You can also provide your own yes. top five albums tell or us, songs. Tell us what we should be listening to. We appreciate recommendations. Give it to us. I mean, we've put on record so much about our music tastes on this podcast. You should be able to call together what we'd like. <laughs> I'm actually very curious about what people think we would like. So, yeah. Give, like, email us. Tell us what we're missing out on. And then, yeah, we'll be back next week for a regular episode, of course. And also, the wrap-up show, the next one will be for video games. Unless you're listening to us in the future and it's already up. In which case, you can listen to it right right now. now. Bye. Bye.